Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well today. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. This is Cody. At least I think it is. Uh, or Billy Graham. Wow. Or um, Billy Graham, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Absolutely. That was actually Cody's picture they put up there for Billy Graham. So anyway, yeah. Definitely. Um, well, it is graduation uh, week, and it's kind of a graduation season, and um, so today uh, we want to honor the graduates that we have uh, in our church. So if you are here today and uh, you have been, or maybe you have a few more days left being a senior in high school, we are going to ask you today to stand and remain standing for a few minutes, okay? Um, if, you are a, if you are a graduate, why don't you stand up? I know there's a few of you because I've seen you in here. Awesome. Very good. Anyone else? All right. Very good. Stay standing for just a minute. Awesome. Now, I'm going to actually ask you both to come down because we have a gift for you guys. So come on down front here, and uh, I'm going to let Cody take it away here this morning. So. Awesome. <laughs> um, so this is probably the most, one of the most exciting. Yeah, you guys can. Yeah, come on. I, I know you want to hop up, Mitchell, but uh, <laughs> Hang on, I don't want there. you to sprain an ankle before. Awesome. Stay, stay um, right here. So this is an exciting part as a youth pastor um, because you see your students um, come and uh, now you're just kind of sending out. And uh, Mitchell, come forward. Uh, I got a gift for you. This is a book. It's called uh, Thriving at College. It talks about how you can keep your faith and balance time management. Um, so my prayer for you, <laughs> yes. Uh, your mom is shaking her head in agreeing over there on the side. Uh, so one of, uh, the conversations we've had, man, and... That you came to my room a couple times, and I just want to encourage you to keep on seeking out Christ and the things above, and would love for you to um, to be thriving, not just in college, but in life through the graciousness of God. So thank you so much, and congratulations, and good luck in the future, brother. Awesome. Good seeing you. Congratulations, buddy. Congratulations. I know, Rachel. Gosh, come on, come, come on over light, here. Rachel, you get she came light. up to me this morning. She's like, "It's not happening," and I'm like, I, "I'm sorry." Uh, like, uh, Rachel, your family was one of the first families to ask Maddie and I to come over for dinner, and it was such a, a pleasure of uh, being in guys' home and just hearing about what you guys do as a family unit and. You know, the one thing that I just am reminded of your mom telling that she prays over you guys every morning to be the light. And, um, you know, mom may not be there at college, but I'm sure she, she will still continue to be praying for you to be a light in, in college. And again, I hope and pray that this book will encourage you to um, seek out Christ because now this is your faith. Mm. You know, mom and dad's not going to be there, but now it's your faith. And I hope and pray that you, you um, strive for the graciousness of God. So thank you so much for being a part of this church. Yeah. Proud of you, girl. Proud of you. Oh, man. Awesome. Uh, these students would be missed, but their legacy will live on. And uh, I can uh, remember the time seeing Rachel back and serving at Island Kids and helping out there. Uh, and so we know that they have a, a bright future ahead of them. And if you are not a senior, your legacy is still being produced right now. Mm -hmm. High school students, um, your legacy is, if you're a sophomore, your legacy is being left to those who are a freshman. If you are a freshman coming up and you're an eighth grader right now, seventh graders are looking up to you. 
question is, high school students, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to be said about you when you walk up on this stage? Mm -hmm. So I hope and encourage that this summer for you guys in high school and middle school will be something that you will strive for too of what do I want my legacy to be? If I was going to walk up on a stage, what would people say about me? Students, do not take the lie of the, oh, because of your age, you cannot do something great. George Washington was 15 years old when he had his first regiment of 1,500 people. Mm. You can do mighty things mm. in the graciousness of God. Awesome. awesome. Thank you all. Awesome. <laughs> Cody, thanks so much. We're so proud of our grads, and um, we will have more in the next service. So we're, we're very excited for them. Um, before we move on with the service, though, um, I just want to, um, golly, man, it's killing me, buddy. I'm going to say thanks to my buddy here, Cody. Um, he came and joined our staff two years ago next month and uh, as our student pastor, and he's done an amazing job. And he leaves today. Gosh, I'm such a wimp, man. <laughs> he leaves today to go. Way to kick me in the shit. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. He leaves today. He's flying out to Dallas. He's going to finish up his seminary, finish up his education at Dallas Theological Seminary. And God has called him out of student ministry and into um, adult ministry as either a lead pastor or senior associate pastor. And he, today's his last day on staff. And you'll see he and Maddie around in our community. I asked you last week to be praying for him, and so today, as he literally like leaves here after the second service to get on a plane, um, I just want to pray for him again. So would you join me in a word of prayer for my friend here? God, I thank you so much for Cody and for Maddie, and to God, for bringing them to our church two years ago. God, I'm thankful for the influence and the legacy, as he just talked about, that this guy left, and I thank you for his leadership with our leaders and the friend that he's been to me. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would go before them. God, as we're going to be talking about today, I pray that you would order his steps, God. That you would provide that next opportunity to serve you at a church. And God, I pray that you would allow him to complete his degree, God, and finish strong and finish honoring you. Go before him today as he gets on that plane and, and begins to complete his seminary. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Cody, thanks so much, buddy. Love you, man. We're going to miss you, bud. We're going to miss you. Well, I wanted to talk to you this morning uh, about a lesson that I learned years ago, and today we're not in a series. Today we're not kind of in a, in a theme. We ended uh, Second Chances last week, and uh, I've heard from many of you about Second Chances, and I want to encourage you to continue to give me feedback on Second Chances and what God has done in your life over the course of the last few months and uh, last few weeks in terms of second chances. So I want to encourage you on that. Today we are going to uh, take a pause in a, in a message series, and we're going to be focusing on a lesson that I learned years ago. Now, it's interesting because um, I want to ask the adults in here, um, how many of you, and you got to be honest this morning, it's church, so you have to be honest, right? How many of you remember the message that was given at your high school graduation? Okay, just be honest, okay? I'm raising my hand, but only halfway. How many of you actually remember the message that was given at your high school graduation? Okay. All right, very good. There's, I seriously see four and a half hands. Okay, so about four and a half hands. I'm right there with you. I don't remember much 
about my high school graduation. I don't, I don't remember uh, much about the message that was given. And when I was in school, I, I went to a, a school by the name of DeKalb Christian Academy. There's another, we, I graduated 50 people in my class, and there's actually another alumni from the class that was right before me that goes to our church, my buddy back there, Devin Bradley. And uh, so we uh, graduated small classes, and the year that I graduated, um, a guy by the name of Ravi Zacharias came, and he spoke to our graduating class, which was awesome because... I knew Ravi, and I studied him. He's a great Christian apologist, fantastic man of God. But I don't remember much about that day other than the fact that I had a guy named Sandy Papadopoulos next to me who kept taking my cap and my tassel. And because I wasn't like a really strong academic, that's all I had. I didn't have one of those ropes that go around your neck, and I certainly wasn't giving a speech that day. So he kept taking my cap and my tassel and hiding it. Um, we played soccer together for four years, and I think I probably had it coming to me. So I don't remember much about that day. I do remember that one of the things that Ravi left us with is he said, take the mission of God seriously in your life. Defend the gospel. I remember that. Defend the gospel. Beyond that, I don't remember much that Ravi said. But there's a lesson that I learned when I was 17 years old that has stuck with me for all of my life. It's a lesson that has, has really like been ingrained in me over the years that comes up at decision points that I have in my life. And it's a lesson that I want to share with you today. And so if you have your notes, you can take them. You'll, we'll be kind of looking at your notes here in a moment, um, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about these things. i got a gift for everybody who's in here today, and uh, I want to encourage you to, to uh, read the gift that I'm giving you. But the, the message that I got when I was 17, uh, almost 18 years old, actually was a message that was passed down to me personally from my spiritual mentor. And it's a guy by the name of Jeff Cranston excuse me, this morning. And Jeff Cranston was my youth pastor, just like Cody was uh, the youth pastor to Rachel and Tanner, who you saw and many others. And Jeff talked to me one-on-one -on -one individually when I was going through some things in my life that I had to make decisions about. And so the lesson that he taught me was how to make wise decisions in life. And even though I can't remember much about the details of that message that even a guy by the name of Ravi Zacharias gave on, on graduation day, I remember the lesson that Jeff gave me that day. And it was a lesson that actually was passed down to Jeff by one of the elders in our church, the church that we grew up in, a great man of God who was just a wise, wise, godly man who um, passed away way too young in his 60s of cancer by the name of Frank Mary. And so when I was 17 years old, I heard this message that had been passed down from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. And so today, if you're here and you're a student, I want you to remember the words that we're going to talk about today. Because I believe that some of these words that come into play, and so I want you to know this isn't my own. I've kind of made it my own. But these are principles that I've actually lived my life by. And in some cases, I haven't lived my life by, and I've really learned to regret not doing that. But throughout the years when I was faced with major decisions, I would remember what these lessons were. And when I was personally trying to discern the will of God for my own life, I would use these five different things that we're going to talk about today to help me when I'm faced with that decision point. Do I go right? 
or do I go left? Do I go left or do I go right? And so I've used these over the years, and I hope it'll be an encouragement and a challenge to you today. Now, I just mentioned a little phrase that for some of you, it dropped like a bomb. For some of you, you didn't even think about it, and it's this whole idea of the will of God. And I remember um, talking to a, a, someone who's very close to me once, and I, I said, you know, I just feel like it's God's will that I'm doing this. And this person who's a fantastic Christian responded and said, how do you know? How do you know what God's will is? Where does that come from? How do you know what the will of God is? And this whole idea of being able, us being able to determine what God's will is, what his desire is, what his plan is, is something that um, we're not going to solve today. I'm just going to be honest with you. That is not something we're going to solve today. In fact, the, the whole idea of what God's desires are, what his will is, and that sort of thing, that's something that theologians and, and biblical scholars have debated for centuries. And we'll continue to debate for centuries. But I do believe... I do believe that God's word and God's spirit can do an, a work in our lives. And if we put ourselves in a position to hear from God, I believe that at major decision points in our lives, we can do several things that will help us, that will help us to determine or to discern in our lives what direction we should go. And it's something that's systematic, and it's not random, and it's not driven by impulse. It's driven by a systematic understanding of who God is, what his word has to do in our lives, and what are the things that are happening around us. And I believe that even you who are adults, if you're faced with a decision right now, in this season of your life, or perhaps you're about ready to face a season of major decision in your life, I believe that some of the things that we're going to talk about today will really help galvanize your ability to understand what direction God wants you to take. We all have decisions that we have to make in our lives, don't we? I mean, all the time we have decisions to make in our lives. And oftentimes, the decisions that we have to make, really, we, we don't need um, really much analysis to figure out what that decision is all about. We don't need to overdo it in terms of, like, our understanding. Sometimes it's just intuitive. Like, we just know that this is what we need to choose. But there are times, let's face it, when we are faced with an option. It's option A, left, or option B, right. And the direction that we choose in that moment, determines so much about our future. It's interesting because oftentimes we treat the smaller decisions heavier than we treat the major decisions in our life, don't we? We treat those things that are just kind of mundane that we probably could answer intuitively. We kind of treat them deeply, like we look and we investigate and we try to find out. But when it comes to major decision points... We often act impulsively. And so part of what I want to do today is to help you understand that you, with God's help, can go through something that's very systematic to determine how to choose what God wants you to choose. Whether you're choosing someone that you want to marry, whether you're choosing whether or not to go to summer school, what career path you should pursue, who you should date, what job you should take, 
Do you need to purchase that home now or rent or maybe purchase it later? How many kids you want to have? Should you go back and complete your degree? Should you try a different career path after being 40 years old? And so you see graduates and students, like the, the decisions that you are facing right now, um, they're, they're really, the decision point doesn't end. You will always have decision points all throughout your life. Those of you who are in the golden years of your life, how are you going to live the rest of your lives? What child do you trust to help you in your future life? <laughs> there are decisions that we have to make all throughout our lives. And the decisions that we're faced with right now are important. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Some of you are about ready to embark on a lifetime of decision-making. But I believe, I want you to hear this today, I believe even more important than making this, the decision that you're faced with right now in this moment, I think more important is to learn and to train yourself to hear from the heart of God the decisions that you make. So that when you're faced with a life crisis, when you're faced with a left or right, when you're faced with a what to do, you naturally go through the systematic process of making decisions. You see, I think it's even more important that we learn as Christ followers, and I am talking to those of you who are Christ followers today, although if you're not, there's a lot of great things in here that you can learn. I think it's more important that we learn how to process decisions, not on our own strength, not with our own intuition, not with our own intellect, but really tapping in to who God is and what he has done. So it really doesn't matter whether you're one of the two graduates that are here the, uh, in this service or whether you are an adult, uh, you know, maybe in the middle part of your life or maybe in a later part of your life and you're faced with the decision. I believe that these things can help you today. Take a look at your notes. How can I know if I am making the right decisions in my life? How can I know if I'm making the right decisions in my life? Well, here are five suggested landing lights to guide you as you prayerfully consider what decisions you should make. Now, what I've done today is I've formed these. I've done this several different ways over the years. But today I've formed these into five definitive statements and I've done that so that you can have the security of knowing that if this statement is true, then you're prepared to make the decision that you need to make. If you know that that statement is true in your life, then you are prepared to make the decision that you are faced with. And so we've worked these not into questions. We haven't worked them into terms, although I'm going to give you phrases and terms to help you along the way. But I've created these in definitive decisions so that you can understand that these things need to be firm in your life before you pull the trigger. Andy Stanley once said, I heard him say, that you should never doubt in the darkness what you knew to be true in the light. These statements will help you understand how to get in the light. Point number one, the first, first statement that we want to make, this kind of impactful statement, is I have sought the advice of multiple people that exhibit wisdom with regard to the decision that I'm making. I have sought the advice of multiple people that exhibit wisdom or who exhibit wisdom with regard to the decision I'm making. 
I call this one the phrase. If you want to jot this down in your notes or in your device or whatever you might have, tablet or phone, um, I call this uh, godly counsel. Godly counsel or wise counsel. Listen, we need to seek out wise counsel when we're making tough decisions, don't we? We need to seek out wise counsel when we are making decisions. A lot of you know me, and some of you know me very well, and you know that I'm a very stubborn person. I'm a very independent thinker. I like to think on my own. But I know that when I'm faced with a very difficult decision, that I need to bring multiple people who I consider wise in to that decision process. Solomon talks about this. He talks about it multiple times in Proverbs. Take a look at a couple of them. Proverbs 15, 22. He says, without counsel, plans fail. But many advisors, but with many advisors, they succeed. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now, there's risk in a message like this because some of you are going to respond and you're going to go home and you're going to email or maybe you already are because you have your iPhone or tablet or whatever. And you're saying, hey, Todd, this is not spiritual. These are secular things. Um, shouldn't we go to God first? Okay. All of these principles that I'm giving you today, all five, are rooted in the book that God wrote, the Bible, so they are relying on God. But I will say this, that if we are a Christ follower, if you're a Christ follower today, and you need to access godly, wise counsel, the first person that you need to talk about it to is God himself. You don't need to forget that God himself needs to be that part of the wise counsel that you seek out. We'll talk about that more in one of the later points. But please, 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 don't miss the guidance of wise counsel with fa when faced with major decisions in your life. I promise you from personal experience, you'll be very disappointed that you didn't consult godly or wise counsel. Wise counsel. Solomon also wrote this in Proverbs eleven fourteen. Look at this. I love this. Where there is no guidance, that's wise counsel, right? Guidance. A people, what does that next word say? Falls. Say it with me again. Falls. Without guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is, what is that last word? Safety. Safety. You see, many of you are faced with a decision right now. That if you choose the wrong decision, if you choose that thing that may not be God's best, it may not be God's will, you don't go through any kind of process to pull the trigger on that decision you're making, many of you will choose a choice that will cause you to fail. Now, that doesn't mean life is over. I believe that God can do amazing things after you've made a wrong decision. We talked about that in Second Chances. But without consulting a multitude of godly, wise counselors, we will fall. The Hebrew word there for fall means to suffer, defeat, failure, or ruin. Wow. It's pretty strong, isn't it? That's pretty strong. Without counsel, we will face ruin. That's what Solomon says. That's what Proverbs says. Safety, on the other hand, that word, the contrasting word there, safety in Hebrew means preserving from harm or unpleasantness. I love that. That's the definition. That is really the definition from the Hebrew language. It means preserving 
from harm or unpleasantness. And some of you as parents are going, that's what I've been telling you. If you just listen to me, if you just listen to me, I will save you from the harm that you're going to have, the unpleasantness. Parents, maybe that word will work, unpleasantness. Because we all know that when we don't get good counsel, that we will often face unpleasant decisions, won't we? You see, some of you are faced with a decision right now. And for you, that decision may not be, you may not see the harm in that decision. You may not see the danger that's there. But students, your parents, even adults, our parents, your friends who are wise, your counselor who gives you wisdom, maybe your pastor, maybe a teacher, students that you rely on, they can provide the wisdom because let's face it, we all have blind spots, don't we? We all have blind spots. We all have things in our life that we don't see coming and it hits us like a ton of bricks. And all of a sudden, our life is ruined, just like Proverbs says, when we don't seek wise counsel. Since I received this message when I was 17 or 18 years old, that during that season of my life when there were a lot of decisions firing like many of you will have and, and do have, when, when I was faced with it, I realized that I needed to bring into my inner circle people who would help make those decisions. And I call it my board of directors. I've, I've always called it that, my board of directors. I mean, a company has a board of directors, right? They help protect, they help guide that business, they, they help, you know, uh, give insight and counsel and advise that business. Churches, we have an elder board here that helps with those things. They help protect and guide and advise and counsel. They provide godly wisdom and counsel. Uh, organizations, nonprofit organizations, school boards, that's why we have a board for our schools. Organizations have this to prevent them from going through unpleasantness. Why can't we as individuals have a board of directors? So my challenge to you today is to find that board of directors, to find those people in your life who can be on your board. And let me tell you something, as life moves on, as things change, that board of directors may very well change too. There might be times when that changes, but Solomon says, God says that we need to have a board of directors. I want to tell you how this played out in my life when I was about ready to go to college. When I was uh, 15 years old, um, I had a very clear call into the ministry. And I won't go into how all that happened today, but I really felt like God was leading me to go into the ministry. And I consulted Jeff Cranston, who was really kind of one of two people I had in my life that was my, on my board of directors at the time. And he walked me through this with some of the principles I'm giving you today. And at the end of the day, when I was 18 years old, I remember, I remember, I remember the place that I was sitting. It was at my kitchen table. And it was in the summer, and I was two days away from going to college. And my mentors, my spiritual mentors, my board of directors had really encouraged me to go to college and get a degree that would match what God was doing, and that's ministry. And I remember sitting at that table, and Jeff knew all this, and he said, so what, do you, what degree are you going to get? And I said, business. And he said, really? Like, we've walked through this whole process over the last three years. And he said these words. He said, Todd, 
If you're called in the ministry and you run from it, you'll be miserable. You'll be miserable. And for 10 years of my life, I ran from what God was doing because I rejected wise counsel. And let me tell you, there was a lot of unpleasantness. And at 26 years old, I called him back and I said, do you remember that day we sat in my kitchen? I'm so mad at you right now. I cannot believe you said I would be miserable because I'm calling you back. And you're right, I'm miserable. And that was the beginning of God leading me back into the ministry. Listen, we need wise counsel. The first landing light is godly counsel, wise counsel. The second statement, strong statement, is I am in a good place in my relationship with God, which means I am consistently spending time with him in prayer and in his word. I'm in a good place in my relationship with God, which means I'm consistently spending time with him in prayer and in his word. I, the, the word, the phrase that I want you to, to write down here is actually, it's not going to make sense, I'll explain it. It's actually inner desire. That phrase, inner desire. The first landing light is wise counsel, godly counsel. The second is inner desire. But here's the thing. If we have our way with decision points, we will probably choose the thing that we, I want you to hear this. Please don't miss this. We will choose the thing that we, do you hear that? We, me, I want. That is is not necessarily watching God's landing lights. That's not necessarily being in tune with God. The psalmist says this in Psalm 37, 4 through 5. He says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the what? Desires of your heart. Verse 5, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act i thought that i was going to grow up and be a professional golfer that's really what i thought i mean honest to goodness when i was even 16 years old i really believed that i was going to be a professional golfer and if any of you have played golf with me you know that there's no way that i could ever be a professional golfer but that's what i believed and given a decision point, if I were faced with going into full-time ministry and going on the PGA, if somebody came up to me and said, Todd, at 18 years old, you have got the skill, I've got the money, we're going to sponsor you, you're going on the tour. I would have gone on the tour. No doubt about it. Absolutely no doubt about it. You see, because that's what I desire. Here's the catch. Please don't miss this. When we spend time with God, our desires change. When we spend time in his word, they can change. When we spend time listening to the heart of God, our desires go down and his desire for our life goes up to the top. It rises to the top. And so while it's inner desire, the key to unlocking that inner desire is to spend time with God. Asking him to reveal what that desire is, what that thing is that he wants you to do. I'm using ministry as the model here just because that's my model. For some of you, it's a thousand other things. Spend time with him so that you 
can know what his desire. And as you spend time with him, I believe your desires will change. First is seeking godly or wise counsel. Second is inner desire. That third strong evaluation statement that we should have in place when we are faced with these decision points is that the circumstances surrounding this decision have easily come together without me having to manipulate or make it happen. I love this one. This one's fun, isn't it? The circumstances surrounding that decision, whether you go right or whether you go left, the circumstances surrounding that have come together. I have found in my life, when I try to kick the door down with what I want, that it often ends up in misery. It often ends up in ruin. Are you with me on that? Like when I try to do things on my strength and on, with my power, and I try to make arrangements for my life, man, that is not God's will. That's my will. It comes back to me. The circumstances surrounding the decision have easily come together without having to manipulate or make them happen. Listen, there's no good karma. The stars don't just align. Things don't just fall into place as we say. If you're a Christ follower in here, if you're in tune with God and what he wants for your life, those things will come into place because God wants you to make that decision. Are you with me? It's his will. And it's his way. Romans 8, Paul speaking to the church in Rome says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things work together for good. Are, are you here today and you're a Christ follower and you want to make decision B, but it just isn't happening? Perhaps the reason it's not is because God knows that there's another decision that you need to make that's God's best for your life. We know that those who love God, for all things work together for the good, but to those who are called according to his purpose. Outside circumstances, Proverbs 16, 9 says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes, establishes his steps. Listen, don't get frustrated with what you think God is or isn't doing. It's his way. He's the one that's in control, not you. I remember a time in, when Cynthia and I were in New York City, and we had an opportunity um, to help start a church in Baltimore. And I spent weeks and months praying about it, and I thought that God was maybe leading us to move from New York City to Baltimore to, to start one of kind of a, a, an offspring or a second location of the church that we were at in New York City. And we, I went down there, I took the train down there, I spent a whole day, I prayed about it. We spent weeks praying about it. And at every move, listen to this, at every move, the door was closed, was closed, was closed, was closed, was closed. And for me to move forward with that would have been going against the grain of what God's will was for my life. Those of you who play golf, you understand this against the grain, don't you? Some of you who don't, you watch when there's a tournament on TV or maybe you're out at the Heritage and you're watching it and you watch the golfers on the green and they walk all the way around their ball, don't they? And, and you're like, what are these guys doing? Well, they're looking at several things. They're looking at the slope. They're looking at the undulation. They're trying to determine how fast or how slow. But one of the things that they're looking at is they're looking at which way the grain is growing on the green. Because if you're hitting down, if you're hitting with the grain, you're going to have a smooth, fast but if you're going against the grain, it's going to be potentially bumpy and slow. 
It's the same thing with God in our lives. If we choose to go against those outside circumstances that he is lining up, it's going to be bumpy. It's going to be rough. And it's going to be slow. So find, find what God is doing in the circumstances around you. Look at your outside circumstances and see how God is ordering your steps. Wise counsel, inner desire, outside circumstance. Fourth, I have a verse or verses in the Bible that support the direction I need to go with this decision. If God wants you to do whatever you're faced with, if he wants you to go to choice A, I believe that he will give you, if you're a Christ follower, I believe he'll give you scriptural confirmation that will help, you, help lead you in that choice. I think if it's choice B, I believe that God will give you scriptural confirmation to lead you in that direction. I remember when I was in high school, and I was going through this whole process of whether or not I was called to be in full-time ministry. And Jeff uh, really suggested that I needed to find a verse to confirm that. And I was getting frustrated because I just wasn't finding a verse to confirm that. And I remember one day in my room, I took the Bible and I went like this. Opened it up, boom, right there. And you know what that did for me? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And if you've done that in your life, that is God really leading you in your life because that is dangerous, let me tell you. Like, I am choosing this major decision, who to marry, what career path to take. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, like, leave it up to God, and I'm just going to, you know, throw my finger in the Bible. And then you come to John 18.10 that says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. <laughs> like, okay, God, what do I do with that? How's that going to help me in making this decision? No. See, what God wants you to do is he wants you to spend time in his word, reading his word, being encouraged and challenged and shaped by his word. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul writing to his mentee, his predecessor, he says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And if you're here today and you don't spend time in his word and you're faced with decisions, you will have a very difficult time being able to make the decision that is God's best for your life. You have to spend time in his word. Last week I talked about version. I put a video out this week for you. It's on our website explaining how important it is for you to be in the word and take ownership of your spiritual life. Go to version. grab a Bible. We actually have Bibles in the back that we can give you if you don't have one. The word of God in your life is so incredibly important. Godly counsel, wise counsel, inner desire, outside circumstances, scriptural confirmation, and the final statement, the definitive evaluation statement is this. After praying about the decision, I am confident in my heart and my mind through God's Holy Spirit that this is the decision that I I'm supposed to make. And we're going to do a whole series, and I think it's going to be in 2015, on the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. I'm very excited about that. But I want to summarize this by saying, if you are not walking step by step with God, with his Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about perfect. I'm not talking about perfect. But I'm talking about if you're not living in the Spirit of God in your life right now, be very careful about making the decision that you're about ready to make. Time, in those instances, is your greatest friend. Don't rush it. 
Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. You see, when God wants us to do something, and when we are walking in step with God's Holy Spirit, relying on him, he will give us peace about the decision that we're about ready to make. He will give us peace about the decision that we are ready to make. It was 2005, and I was approached with the opportunity to move to New York City to help start a church. Cynthia and I visited New York City, and I always said what a lot of people say about New York City. Great place to visit. I, I said these words over and over and over again for 10 years when we would go up to New York City about every other year. I would look at Cynthia and I would say, I will never, what's the rest of it? Live here. I will never live here. And in 2005, God called us to New York City. And you know, I had a peace once we went through all these other things that God was at work and that he was going to protect and that he was going to provide. And he did. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you're here today and you're in a season, whether you're a graduate or whether you're a student or whether you're an adult in, in your 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s or beyond, and you are faced with some difficult decisions, please, I, I, I promise you there have been times in my life where I've been impetuous. There are times in my life where I've relied on my strength, my understanding. But when we go through a systematic process of lining these things up, we will know that we're supposed to make the decision that God is leading us to make. My grandfather was a private pilot, and uh, as a kid, late, late in his life, he got diabetes, but as a young kid, I remember, in fact, I've got a picture in my office of my grandfather. Um, he would take us up in his plane all the time. It was so much fun as a kid. I loved it. I have very like vague memories about it, but I do remember that I loved every minute of it. And I remember as I got older, he, I was interested in aviation and that kind of thing, um, and he would tell me that at night, when a pilot comes in for a landing, if those landing lights are really lined up straight, I mean, you're really not off by much at all, he said it's almost like they blink, they kind of strobe. He goes, it's almost as if, it's almost as if when they're lit up perfectly, it's almost as if there's one light, solid light. You see, that's the way it can be for you and for me. When we make decisions, if we go through a process of discerning what God wants for our life. Would you pray with me this morning? I'm just going to ask you a question this morning. Um, are you faced with a difficult decision between two things right now? In fact, are you faced with any decision at all that you have been struggling with in your life? If you're in here today and you say, Todd, I, I just need prayer for this. I need prayer because I've got a decision that I have to make that's difficult. Maybe it's about choosing a certain way to live. Maybe it's about your future spouse. Maybe it's about dating students. Maybe it's about a career change, adults, or a career alteration. 
Maybe it's a business decision, business owners, that you have to make. If you're in here today and you would say, Todd, I need to have God's peace in my life about these decisions. If you would just raise your hand with every head bowed and every eye closed, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. Keep your hand up for a moment. I just want to pray. I want to pray for you this morning. Keep them up there for a moment. Dozens of hands. Father God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would guide the hearts and the minds of those who are claiming today, I, I got some, I got a decision. It's not an easy one, it's important. It may determine my future. And Father God, in the strong name of Jesus, I pray that you would help those who have their hands raised right now. Help them, Father God, to seek out godly wisdom. Help them to be so in your word that they know exactly what their inner desire is. Father God, I pray that you would help them to look at the outside circumstances and see what you're doing, see how you are ordering their steps. God, I pray that they would seek out your word and your Holy Spirit to help them make those decisions and give them peace once all the landing lights light up, God, about the decision they're making. You can put your hands down. Father God, help each one of us to do that, but help those who claim that they need help right now. And I pray this as their pastor in your name.